0: This is Ticker Symbol U, a podcast focused on highlighting advanced technologies that are transforming our lives and disrupting their competitors in the process. My name is Alex, and I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd that loves sharing my personal vision of the future and putting my money where my mouth is. To learn more, find me at tickersymbolu.com or youtube.com slash ticker symbol Y-O-U. Let's start with this. We got some breaking news right now. DraftKings shares, they are plunging right now. Hindenburg Research just out with a new short call on the stock. It's based on alleging that the merger with Bulgaria's SB Tech brought exposure to extensive dealings in black market gaming money laundering and organized crime. I'm back with another drama-filled and volatile tech company, and this time, I'm raising the stakes. A little over a week ago, Hindenburg Research, the firm that helped expose the fraud at Nikola, released a short report about DraftKings, ticker symbol DKNG, which is one of ARK Invest's top 25 holdings. They alleged all sorts of criminal activity, ranging from black market gaming to money laundering and other forms of organized crime. What did Kathy Wood do in response? buy another $42 million worth of shares. So in this episode, I'm shining a light onto one of ARK Invest's biggest bets so that we can decide whether or not this stock is worth the gamble. ARK Invest has been buying massive amounts of DraftKings since the rotation out of growth stocks began. DraftKings is now the 19th biggest position in ARK-W, ARK Invest's fund themed around the next generation of internet applications. It's the 27th biggest position in ark their fintech ETF, and number 18 in ARK-K, ARK Invest's $22 billion flagship fund filled with their highest conviction stocks. If you combine their six actively managed funds, DraftKings is their 21st biggest position overall, with almost $600 million in it. Notably, about 7% of Arc's position, or $42 million, was bought in response to the short seller report put out by Hindenburg Research. Most short reports are published with one goal in mind, to scare investors with weak hands into selling their shares at bargain basement prices. They often do this by making big claims that either end up being misleading or insignificant. Hindenburg research reports are usually neither of these things because instead they often allege outright fraud, like they did with Nikola. But this one doesn't do that. It mostly alleges some shady dealings by SBtech, a betting engine that combined with DraftKings during their SPAC merger last year, and focuses on DraftKings' high valuation despite the risks and regulatory hurdles associated with online gambling while pointing out that they still have negative earnings. So that will be the outline for this episode. What do DraftKings and SB Tech do today? What is the deal with ARK Invest's crazy high conviction in this stock? And what do their future and finances look like based on trends in state regulations surrounding sports betting and gambling? Let's start with Kathy Wood's outlook on DraftKings, which she talked about on Episode 9 of Benzinga's RAS report earlier this year. Well, we do think sports betting um, is, is actually has, is losing its taint uh, DraftKings is becoming a platform uh, for sports betting. Uh, states in crisis uh, with huge deficits are going to capitulate one after another, and then the most one of the most mature uh, betting uh, states, New Jersey, uh, it's uh, DraftKings reported last uh, last week. Its revenues were up 100 percent. Again, this was another stay at home beneficiary. So people said, ah, you know, uh, you know, we're going to get back to life as usual. This is going to be part of life uh, as usual. And so New Jersey was very telling to to us. And, And we do believe that it is a
1: platform strategy in the space.
0: Okay, so let's discuss the numerous tailwinds Kathy Wood just mentioned. We're seeing a big cultural shift in the acceptance of sports betting in general and online betting specifically. We're also seeing states with big deficits loosen up on regulations about betting in order to access a new taxable revenue stream. This is on top of more and more forms of entertainment moving online in the face of the pandemic as real-life options became more limited. We all get that. But that's on top of adults spending more time per day on their mobile devices each and every year even before the pandemic began. Sure, that growth rate will slow in the future but only because all of that growth moved up to 2020. The reason all of these matter is because DraftKings is a leading mobile online betting platform and all of those words are contributing to their massive growth rate. I agree with Kathy Wood, surprise, surprise, that a lot of these factors will become a part of life as usual, even as things open back up. However, I'm trying to be better about backing my opinion with data instead of just putting my biased pro-technology views on stay-at-home stocks out there. So let's listen to DraftKings' CEO, Jason Robbins, talking about these same factors and how DraftKings' future is affected by the reopening economy on CNBC's Tech Deck. And the season at large, uh, as this economy reopens, I guess, can you put into perspective the, the, the tailwinds that you're expecting for the rest of the year relative to where we thought we were going to be, say, about six months ago?
1: Well, you saw some of that in Q1. We had an incredible quarter, um, really just, you know, hit on all cylinders and Uh, So happy with all the metrics and results that we delivered. We also did a ton on the strategic relationship side, a lot of products that we released. We have some upcoming social features, which I think are going to be game changing. So, you know, as far as the rest of the year goes, I think that as you see people, you know, hopefully return to more of whatever normal looks like, um, you know, we haven't seen any adverse impacts so far as more vaccinated people get out and about. Obviously, we think we had some benefit from, you know, more of stay at home and, Things like that. Um, but so far we haven't seen any loss of momentum. So, uh, we're certainly being appropriately cautious about what that could look like. But, uh, everything we're seeing in the data suggests that strong momentum is continuing. And, uh, we, you know, feel like we are well lined up to have a great, uh, last few quarters of the year.
0: My expectation is that these trends will continue. And as investors, that's what we should look for in future earnings reports. So let's talk about SBTEC, which is DraftKings' betting engine and the major focus of the Hindenburg Research Short Report. SB Tech allows DraftKings to have their own predictive betting engine instead of having to rely on an existing outside service. This isn't really about cost-cutting, it's about being vertically integrated and having the ability to offer tailor-made bets that are unique to DraftKings and can hyper-target individual users. This is about adding market differentiation and increasing user retention. And it sounds great, on paper. But just how important is SB Tech to DraftKings' long-term success? Here is some much-needed context from none other than Jim Cramer on a recent episode of CNBC's Market Alert. Did you look at DraftKings, by the way? Since we talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, we had the Hindenburg report, and then we had another report that Kathy Wood bought nine hundred thousand shares, forty-two million dollars worth. How many divisions? Not does insignificant. Have. You know, with Hindenburg. This is, I think. May not Look, again, i work worked for DraftKings. Uh, I think Jason Robinson runs an outfit where he literally could take this one division and just sell it to somebody for a dollar. And then Hindenburg, this ST division, and then Hindenburg would have to say, you know what? No harm, no foul. Stock goes higher. All, yeah, all Jason has to do is get rid of that one division, which oh, he could. I think that what matters with DraftKings is gambling, whether more people will gamble and whether they have a low cost of acquisition. That's what matters. Not this division that they can get rid of tomorrow. So Kathy Wood, I think, ultimately is going to be right. If you have a look, if you have an NFL season where more people want to gamble, do you think we're going to remember this little division that's 8% of their business? No. I actually think that Jim Cramer is spot on here. Hindenburg Research is alleging that SB Tech is involved in black market gaming, money laundering, and organized crime. These are serious accusations. As both Jim Cramer and the report itself point out, SB Tech accounted for about 25% of DraftKings' revenue at the time of their merger, in April of 2020, and accounts for less than 10% today, just a little over one year later. By DraftKings' own projections, it could be less than 4% of their total revenue when they're fully up and running. Even if these allegations were true, unless we find out that DraftKings knowingly profited from these illegal activities and the government gets involved or DraftKings' partners start to leave, I don't really see these allegations as meaningful. If something extreme does happen, I'll be sure to update my own investment thesis and make another episode to update you as well. The Hindenburg Report also included some points that make me feel like it's much more designed to tank DraftKings' stock price than to expose serious criminal activity. Here's the second-to-last bullet point in the intro. We spoke with several industry experts and competitors who questioned the viability of DraftKings' model of aggressively burning cash on promotion and marketing to acquire customers in the near term, despite a lack of evidence of long-term customer brand loyalty. In a recent episode, I talked about SKILLS, ticker symbol SKLZ, another online gaming company that recently had several short reports tanked stock price, just like with DraftKings. I also shared my research about how I concluded the findings in those short reports were pretty insignificant. The reason I'm mentioning SKILLS here is because both companies have the same kind of unit economics. They spend money on marketing to acquire new customers. Those are customer acquisition costs, or CAC, and they end up being paid up front. Separately, they spend money to incentivize existing customers to spend more money over time. Those are customer retention costs, and they accrue with every little promotion and cross-sell. So, all customer acquisition costs are marketing costs, but not all marketing costs are customer acquisition costs. In my opinion, all of these short reports for DraftKings and Skills are making the same big mistake. As a result, I really agree with what Jim Cramer thinks investors should be focused on how many states legalize online sports betting and casino gaming, how many of the people in those states DraftKings can acquire with their first-mover advantage, and their actual customer acquisition costs in doing so. Here's a clip from CNBC's Squawk Box from mid-June, where Jason Robbins talked about their rapidly expanding total addressable market and their declining customer acquisition costs.
1: What are you doing to try and make sure that you don't see a slowdown? I I know your marketing budget uh, soared in the first quarter. That was something that was a little offsetting to some investors who worried about that. thought maybe you guys would turn more profitable earlier. Um, Are you spending more on marketing because you want to make sure you hold on to your your, uh, customers that you picked up during the pandemic? No, not at all. We spend on marketing primarily for customer acquisition. It's all data driven. We look at customer acquisition on a horizontal basis. If we can acquire customers with the right ROI and the right payback periods that we feel um, are appropriate for our stage of business, then we'll do it. We actually are way under our our target for CAC, so. Um, We actually are trying to find more ways to spend marketing profitably. It's really amazing that um, we've been able to increase spend so much and are acquiring customers more efficiently than before. I do think that itself might be a little bit of a function of the stay-at-home nature of the pandemic, so we'll see if that continues. I don't necessarily think there'll be any impact to the retention side, but I could see a little bit of a slowdown in customer acquisition, but there's so much growth right now in the industry. New states are opening up. Five or six states have already passed laws this year. I don't think anything is really going to be noticeable. Um, maybe instead of growing you know, triple digits, it's 80-90% or something like that. But I don't think that we're going to see anything material. We
0: can see this in DraftKings' data as well it always costs more to acquire a customer who doesn't know your business than it does to retain a customer once they've already spent money with that same business. Customer acquisition costs are going to be high in states that have just legalized these activities because everyone in them will be new to legal online sports betting in general and DraftKings specifically. As more and more people become returning customers over time, customer acquisition spend goes down and customer retention spend goes up, so overall marketing spend per person goes down over time. As it turns out, a customer that's been with DraftKings for one year or four fiscal quarters ends up paying back about 70% of the money it costs to acquire them. A customer that's been with them for two years or eight fiscal quarters pays back over 250% of that customer acquisition cost. One call out I want to make is that DraftKings only has two cohorts that are over eight quarters old so we should really pay attention to how these numbers change in the next few quarters because two isn't exactly a huge sample size. Jason Robbins also talked about new game-changing social features. In the near future, users will be able to make a profile page, a friends list, receive notifications, comment on the activities of other users, and of course, record and share the bets they make across the DraftKings platform. In my opinion, words like platform and ecosystem are incredibly important to ArcInvest Invest because they can leverage powerful advantages. For example, DraftKings has built a suite of integrated apps for paid fantasy sports, online sports betting or OSB, and iGaming, which are casino games like blackjack and slots. One reason there are three separate apps is because those activities might be regulated differently in each state. So there are nuances when it comes to what DraftKings can offer, promote, cross-sell, and so on within each app. The thing is, they only have to spend money to acquire a user on one of those offerings. Then, they can pay much less to get them to spend over time, including having them try the other offerings, since they're already on the platform. The DraftKings integrated platform allows them to use data from each one of these apps to target ads and personalize experiences on any one of them. For example, if a young man in New Jersey has $20 in his DraftKings wallet and DraftKings knows he likes UFC fighting and football, DraftKings can offer him entry into a UFC-themed prize pool in fantasy sports, a specific sports bet on Conor McGregor's upcoming UFC fight, and for him to try a football-themed blackjack game while he's waiting for that fight to start. And tactics like that are working. 57% of online sports betting users also placed a casino bet in 2020, largely because of these types of cross-sells from one app to the other. DraftKings currently has 26 games that were built in 2019 and 2020 and are planning to launch another 20 games in 2021. Going the other way, being able to offer tailor-made online sports bets to people inside their casino games is probably going to be just as beneficial to DraftKings in the long run. Their third app, Daily Fantasy Sports, or DFS, is also a significant source of data for opportunities for future cross-selling. Their DFS paid user database has over 5 million unique users over 43 states, and DraftKings expects to cross-sell more than 50% of them as new states legalize online sports betting or casino gaming. For many states, their cross-sell rate is closer to 60%. This is another very powerful platform effect. When it comes to the vision of DraftKings' future, which I usually talk about up front, I think it will be just more of the same. And that's not a bad thing. DraftKings is a pure-play platform. They offer a very niche set of activities with strict rules and regulations that vary state by state and country by country. As more parts of the world pass favorable legislation, DraftKings will create new sets of tailored content for the new demographics that come with entering these new markets. As more sports leagues and competitive games find themselves increasingly focusing on interactive experiences and mobile content, which is the current trend, DraftKings offers a serious avenue for partnerships and licenses, similar to Skillstock. They can also partner with other companies to offer joint rewards or cross-promote services. If you win your next bet, your next Uber Eats delivery is on us. Ultimately, the thing I like most about DraftKings is they're a digitally native, data-driven company that's disrupting a primarily in-person industry. Just like Square is doing with banks and Teladoc is doing with traditional healthcare, DraftKings could one day do with casinos and betting rings. It's still pretty early in the race, but as time passes, DraftKings could really be a horse worth betting on. I hope this episode helped you learn a little bit about what DraftKings and SB Tech do today, the tailwinds that are causing ARK Invest's crazy high conviction, and what their future could hold despite Hindenburg's short report. Until next time, this is Ticker Symbol U. My name is Alex, reminding you that the best investment you can make is in you.